High Noon with George Hook. News Talk 106 to 108. Now, I know normally around this time every Wednesday, George usually talks Hook's books with uh, Susan Walsh of Dubray Books. So we thought that this week what we would do is we would take a look at the books of the year in this slot with book fanatics Vanessa O'Loughlin, who is a uh, founder of Writing.ie and is also a best-selling author uh, under the pseudonym of Sam Blake as a crime author, and Mary Burnham, personal shopper with Dubray Books. Ladies, you're both very welcome to High Noon. Thank you. Excellent. Thank Great you. to be here. Uh, you know, it is coming up to the new year and I have to say I'm one of those people and I suspect loads of our listeners are too who aspires to reading more and would like to read more but but because of laziness probably although I like to tell myself it's because of time pressures I don't read more. And so I would like to so I want to read books though that are going to give me bang for my book because there's so many books out there and I don't know which ones are the good ones necessarily. So what I would love to hear from you guys is, is if we were going to draw up a wish list of books that we might read in the next year what are, I know it's probably a very big <laughs> ask, but what are the good ones for the likes of me or, or other people out there who'd like to read a book but know that they're only going to read a handful of books during this year? What should we be reading? I'll go to you first, Mary. Tell me, you know, you, you've given us a list, list of books here, but, but, but sell them to me. What, what should I be reading this year? Right. When I have my customers come into the shop, I almost attack them because they want to know they do. what are the books to read? Because as you said, people don't. I, I work in a bookshop. I get all the new books, the latest things. So I have them all at my fingertips, whereas you don't. Yes. So I'm going to sell you some books. Please. I'm going to start with a book. It's a hardback still, I'm afraid, by J.D. Vance. And it's called Hillbilly Elegy. OK. So it's a memoir of a 31 year old. And as he said himself, I've done nothing. Why should I rewrite a memoir? But it's it's a memoir of a place, a place in America where the white American, poor white Americans live and they have no education. They have no money. They have nothing. And how he fought his way through and he did get himself an education, which is why he managed to write the book. And it's the type of people who voted for Trump. Yes. So maybe it's... That's what I was exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> so it's, but it's very readable. Uh, I, I kept dashing up to finish it. And is it. this fictionalised or non-fiction? No, no. It's, so it's, it's just it's a, a true story. A so memoir of his upbringing in a, in a his white trash, as exactly. they used to call it, neighbourhood. And he had a wonderful grandmother. And when he, when he went to secondary school, uh, she threatened to take her gun out. Of course, she had a gun. And shoot any of his school friends who got him into strange ways. So he didn't do it. Okay. Simple as that. Wow. It's great. Fantastic oh, wow. read. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. God, you know, and it's so funny because when you think about America, it's one of the most sophisticated and advanced countries in many ways in the world, but yet there are pockets of complete poverty with no education and, and all that still is existing ongoing today. Yes. And as he said himself, some of the, the, the big universities in America have places for poor kids. But because they're poor kids and they've no education, they don't know how to apply for these places. Yeah. They don't know how to fill the forms. So there's too out. many barriers there. Yeah, there's huge barriers. Fascinating read. You'll love it. I, I, think, I think I might. And I might, al- might also give us some, some insight <laughs> into uh, what's currently going on in US politics. Vanessa, tell me, give me your, your first up. If I was going to read one top tip book this year, what would you say? You've given us a lot of Irish authors, haven't I you? I have indeed. I've got some that are a complete contrast. Um, I suppose my uh, the, my top tip, um, which is a book that would be a little bit different from everybody else's, and this is the book I think that instead of going, when you go to your New Year's Eve party, instead of taking chocolates, um, I think you should take a book with you. That's a lovely um, idea. And this is, a, this is a very, very tiny, very, very beautiful book. Um, I bought a copy with 
over here called Illuminate and it's a book of poetry by Carrie O'Brien. Now I wouldn't normally read poetry I have to say, confess, because I'm a crime writer and a crime reader um, and I read a lot of popular fiction but it's an absolutely beautiful gem of a book. Um, Sebastian Barry recommended it as his, as the New Statesman Book of the Year. It was chosen as an Irish Times Book of the Year by um, Joseph O'Connor. Um, it's really tiny, it's really simple, it's something that is totally accessible because a lot of poetry people think, oh good, they read poetry in school and oh god, it's awful. You know, not well, it's awful, that's dreadful, the poet's <laughs> going to shoot me, they're dead now. But you know, it's, it's not accessible but this is, it's beautiful. Cario is um, just coming up to 30, she's very young, she's very with it, she works in um, a lot of the bookshops actually around, she was working in Hodges Fidges a little while ago. So. so she's a young female Irish poet totally. and, and has written a beautiful anthology beautiful. of poetry. And it's set in Paris So it's and it's about her relationships and her relationship with Paris and different poets and it's just it's just a beautiful book and I think it's something that everybody should take as I say to the New Year's Eve party or whatever it's just a little thing um, and it has the most most beautiful cover imaginable so. I, I, I see that there it, it, it is it is quite lovely um, Mary what I see you have I read the news today oh boy by Paul Harris. Right. Tell me a little bit about that. Fascinating. So it opens up in Wicklow, uh, the 21st birthday party of Tara Brown, whose family, the Guinness family. And the wealth is just unbelievable, unimaginable. And everybody came to that party. But he, I think he left school at something like the age of 12 or 13. And his mother, that was fine with her. So she took him around Europe. He knew everybody, including the Beatles. And Paul Howard has written a smashing book. It's a very readable, again, really enjoyable novel about a time we can only imagine. I can't even imagine no. it at, at, at all. And this is Paul Howard of Ross O'Carroll. That's Kelly right, that's right, yes. So, so obviously Paul writes, I mean, Paul's a huge talent, so he writes lots of different then types of books as he, well as the Ross O'Carroll Kelly series. Yeah, it just shows how talented yeah, he, he is because this is obviously completely different to his normal books, but it's very readable. You will enjoy it. I was at a reading he gave once as Ross O'Carroll Kelly, when I mean, he was as Paul Howard, but he but he read from a Ross O'Carroll Kelly book, I think it was new in Game of Thrones, um, in, in the character and I have to say, I was actually crying yes. with laughter listening to yes. him. I mean, he's an he's an enormous talent comedically as well. It's not just as an author, as a performer. I, I mean, I genuinely was actually crying. I was actually kind of <laughs> writhing around in my seat going, oh my God, I got a pain in my stomach from, from this. So that, I would love to read that actually. Yes, so you'll find that fascinating. I, I would say, well, I believe that won a book award too, didn't it? Yes, it did, but I can't remember which one. Oh, well, listen, we won't, we won't, we won't <laughs> quibble over that too much. You won an award, Paul. That's all that anyone needs to know. Um, tell me this, Vanessa, what, what, what else have you got for us? Well, I've got all sorts of uh, commercial fiction um, that um, really is a great read because that's what, obviously what you're looking for. Um, and sort of on the crime, going back to crime, which is obviously my genre, um, The Drowning Child by Alex Barkley was nominated for one of the Irish Book Awards. Um, and that's a fantastic read. It's a real gripping thriller um, that will literally hold you to the last page. Um, and I think, you know, when, when you go, when you don't know what to read, I think, one of the key things about books I suppose and, and everybody having very little time is that you're absolutely dead right that you want to when you sit down you want to make sure that it's a good book that yeah, you it do, really don't, you, you don't want to waste your time not at all it needs to, and I suppose that's the job as an author as well we need to make sure that we actually absolutely are hooking you in and that you know you're in that story very fast it's, it's very interesting that you have the perspective of being an author do you think I mean you obviously write in the crime genre do readers have sort of genres that they prefer so are there just people who only read crime or only read fantasy or only read I don't know rom-coms or whatever people 
I think people definitely have preferences. I know a lot of crime readers might read to dip into women's fiction occasionally. Some there's a historical fiction out there as well. But I think if you if you've got um, if yeah if you've got a particular favourite genre, that tends to be the thing you go to first. But actually, when we were chatting outside, Mary's now a personal shopper with Jabray, and we were just talking about when she gets to know people's t- tastes for, for their various genre, whatever they might be, she will be able to take them out of their comfort zone into maybe a genre that's different, knowing what they like, knowing what books they've read, um, and that's the joy of having a personal shopper, somebody who can recommend a book to you because you know she's she's really read them all because she reads thousands of books um, and I think that's I suppose that's the benefit of us being here today is that hopefully we can take people out of their comfort zone Co- completely and, and do many I mean Dubray obviously do but do many bookshops have personal shoppers or or is it the case that a lot of bookshops even if they don't have a personal shopper that the staff would be very well yeah I think they the get books. to know members of staff and they know they recommend books that they enjoy Definitely. Okay, so, so it is always worth if you go into a bookshop to talk to the staff and say, I'm looking for this kind of a book. It even is. if you don't know what book you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have people who come in and ask for me and then if they're not asking for me, they'll ask for Martin or whatever. They, they choose people who they know will know their taste. And do you have regulars? I do, who come I to go, do. Mary, they hate it up. when I'm off. <laughs> That's fantastic <laughs> stuff. Um, tell me this, you, you referred there, I was quite interested, Vanessa, to, to women's fiction. Is, is that the nice term for chiclet? Um, well, I think chicklets change now. I think women's fiction's changed. That women authors have become, and I think the women readers have become a lot more savvy. Um, and I remember uh, Penguin from um, Pen- Patricia Devi from Penguin talking about thinklet and it being women's fiction being much more thinklet. So I think women now want to be uh, have things that challenge them much more. And I think that's why the psychological um, type crime books have become huge. The girl on the train type books. Yes, and women seem to to, to flock to those books, don't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. I think I think it's moving from you know we're all a bit fed up with three women in a flat buying shoes. You know that that had. It's had its moment. It had its sort of pink, the pink moment, um, and and that did great for for a good period of time. But now it's much more sensible. <laughs> I have to say, I've always objected to the, to the term chicklet, and I've often thought that the likes of Nick Hornby or uh, Colm Tobin, in fact, despite the fact that they are given lots of respect because they're men, if they were women writing, they would actually be referred to as chicklet writers because uh, you know, I mean, Colm Tobin and Maeve Binchy, in my view, are interchangeable. Um, give me some more books here, Mary. What else would you recommend? For Do you know what I really like? Is you have books. You've given us a list of books that are the most irritating books. Um, <laughs> of the year and, and I'd love to hear what your take on them is well I have I call them irritating books but th- this book is called Huga, the book of Huga. have you heard of these oh I have you I, have, I, have, I, have, I, have I think I've been practicing Huga before anyone else was because I'm very self-indulgent well I had a Danish lady came in and instructed me in the art of how to say it properly so these are books and I've been calling it Higgy but that, that no, no, no 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 Huga. And I'm sure some Danish person listening is going to ring you up and tell you how I pronounced it wrong. Okay, fair enough. Um, No one will listen. So it's it's interesting how we make our lives and our homes, uh, instead of making them utilitarian, to to, to bring beauty into our lives. For people who are listening, uh, Hugga is is a very zeitgeisty phenomenon from from Denmark where where you 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 wear fluffy socks and you drink hot cocoa and stuff like that and you kind of light a fire and it's about self-indulgence. And it's kind of the, the antidote to clean living and, you know, making yourself run in the bracing winds in the morning and do jogging and, and eating mung beans and stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Let's have a bit of pleasure in our lives. Okay. Stop trying to be super. But clean you, all you've time. put that down as an irritating book. <laughs> um, in one sense, you see, because I think books are for reading and they're for authors and they're for writers. 
and they're for information and something to, to me that's a little bit of a silly book but we need things like that because they're great at Christmas and they're great for presents well they are great for presents and, yes. and, and I, I presume some people will actually read them and, and they do and give people ideas they do exactly. give people ideas they do but they like do. When, when, when Feng Shui and all those kinds of things were, were in as well and I notice you, you've put into your irritating book list all <laughs> the Enid Blyton books for adults that's that, right. that exist that's now. right now even the titles will have you laughing five go on a strategy away day <laughs> I think they're hilarious five <laughs> give up the booze that was our top seller I think I, I do like five go gluten free I mean that, yes, that, even the title yes, of that makes me laugh yes. yeah, absolutely. and five on Brexit Island <laughs> and that's not fiction is it no, no, <laughs> no, no it's not it's more than five people on Brexit Island but they've been various. great for Christmas gifts mm. and I can just see people opening them on Christmas Day and laughing and joking and reading bits out to each other so I think in a way it's like a gateway to reading decent books it is, isn't it's it, it? A, it's a bit they of are, crack they are hilarious Vanessa too. give us a few more, more if someone wants to go to the shop or, or maybe there are people who still haven't given Christmas presents mm. or actually there's a lot of people I was talking to say oh no I buy my Christmas presents after Christmas because I'm not going to see some of these people until after Christmas yep. until I can buy them in the sales um, what other you know really big hitters if you're going to read three books this year Give me three titles. That would be great. Okay. So I already said The Drowning Child by Alex yep. Barkley. Great crime. Um, the Constant Soldier by William Ryan is a really catchable book for me because it is basically historical fiction, um, but it's it was in the crime category for the Irish Book Awards. So it's a crimey too because it's a Holocaust book. Um, it's a love story. Um, it's be- brilliantly um, researched. Um, William Ryan is an amazing writer. Um, and basically it's about um, a guy called Paul Brand who's a soldier in the German army and he returns wounded um, back to his village in the Eastern Front and discovers that there is this sort of hut um, on the edge of the village which is um, sort of a guard hut for a concentration camp and he forms a relationship with one of the women in, in the hut um, and so it's an incredible story it's based on a true story too so it's got absolutely to me all the elements of just an amazing book so whether you like historical fiction whether you like romance I, I'm so like crime I actually really like historical fiction mm. and I don't know why history calls to me in the way that it does mm. but it creates another layer of imagination in a book to me that kind of takes me away and I do like totally. books to be good for escaping. Totally and it educates you too so it's that's that's an all-rounder The Constant Soldier by William Ryan. Okay and have you got another another top tip there? Another top tip well I really enjoyed All We Shall Know by Donal Ryan I think that's an incredible book Donal Ryan is an amazing writer and even though he obviously even though he's a very literary writer he's a very very talented writer but he's again very very accessible so it's um a fantastic read and it's what sort of in the publishing end of things we call a high concept book um, and and basically sort of the blurb is Martin Topi is the son of a famous traveller and the father of my unborn child this is the voice of the, of the lady in the book who's speaking he's 17 I'm 33 I was his teacher I'd have killed myself by now if I was brave enough I don't think it would hurt um, the baby his little heart would stop with mine it's just an incredible book um, so, so this is the story of a woman whose life is unravelling is that totally what this is? totally unravelling absolutely she's, she's a teacher who's she, had an affair, affair with a student who, who is a traveller as well and her, her relationship breaks up and she has to explain to her husband that this, this child isn't his and it, basically that's the story I won't, don't get, okay, give I'm, you any I'm spoilers I'm on that one too because I actually quite like things that are a bit dark and twisted it is and, and like all Donald's books it's, it's not massively long so again it's very accessible it's a great one for the handbag you can stick it in or you can one thing it. I notice because I know a couple of authors and they're, they're very much more fixated than I am on book length and authors seem to like things that are sort of short and pithy I, I often think as, as, a, as a kind of a middle brow that I like books that are big and thick so I get great value. I can read them for weeks. <laughs> well, this is it. This is it. Word count. Word count in the publishing industry are very closely wedded. Yes, it's. Uh, I think that's it. As a as a reader, you like to get value, so you want to have a book with it that's good and solid. The Constant Soldier. I don't know how many words that is, but it has to be at least one hundred and twenty thousand. It's a good 
good thick one. Okay. Um, and um, I don't know why authors like short ones. Perhaps it's because they're quicker to write. <laughs> it could be. It. it could. It could be as as nefarious and and, and uh, tricksy as that, that that they're quicker to write. And mm. um, quick question about about for both of you about children's books. I mean. Are children reading as much now as they used to? Because, I mean, if they aren't reading as children, the chance of them reading as adults, I imagine, is somewhat diminished. I think they're reading voraciously. Mine certainly are. Yeah, I think the computer does call to a lot of them. But luckily, their parents do come in and make sure that they have plenty of books. And and the schools are great and they encourage them. And I know that people organise children's book clubs, especially Raven Books and Black Rock. She's great. She's about five or six children's book clubs. They're super for them. So, so, so kids can can go to the local bookshop, and, and so all kids in a certain locality reading the same book at the same time, yes, starting a conversation. Great idea. Great that's great a brilliant idea, idea isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think most schools do that for the children, don't and they? And also, that's the concept behind the One City, One Book, um, yes. the children's book. You know, which I think E. L. Murray's book, um, the Book of Shadows, was was last year's One City, um, we, One we, Book. We, we do have a text that's just mm. come in and said, "Are there any Irish language books reviewed?" And that's from Sean in Dublin. Have you guys? I mean, are they popular? Do many sell? No, I'm afraid they're niche. No, I'm, I'm, I'm an Irish speaker. I was brought up speaking Irish. So that bilingual. was my first language. But I'm afraid, no, there, there just isn't the call for them. Okay. well, Which well, is a terrible pity. Well, we might as well call a spade a spade. Mm. I suppose, you know what's going to change that, I think, down the line, is the Gaelskull movement is, 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 is like a germination of yes. the Irish language again that's happening, isn't it? Which, yes. which I think was much, much, much needed. So so what we might do, guys, is, is, is if you're both happy, we might put up these lists of books oh, on, 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 the, yeah. on the website for yeah. the show because there, there are other books on this list and, and as you've gone through each of the ones you've gone through, I've wanted to buy them. So you're doing exactly <laughs> what I wanted you to do, which is selling me the books um, and obviously not for your own, your own benefits, but selling them to me because these are books I'd, I'd, I'd love to read. I see one here, Dublin since 1922. Oh, that's fantastic. That's Tim Carey's book. Yes, the research, and that's amazing. What he's done is taken different dates and time and looked at what happened in, was happening in Dublin. Um, and he wrote an article actually for writing.ie that talks about how, how he did the research and how he had too much information to put in. But it's, um, it's a brilliant book. Yeah, I think there hasn't been a book written about post-1922 Dublin. And so it's, I think for everybody, I gave away, I gave a copy to my father and a copy to my father-in-law over Christmas um, because for them, it's just the iconic book. It's an iconic book. It has all the detail, it has popular detail in as well as... Um, and is this fiction or non-fiction? No, it's, it's non-fiction. non-fiction. Yeah, so it's a, a proper history okay, book. Okay, wonderful. Listen, ladies, thank you very much for coming in. We're going to throw to a short break now, but, but I think that's a fascinating item and we will put it up those books on the website. Stay tuned.